July 28th, Romans chapter 11, verses 13 through 36. I, Paul, am saying all of this especially for you Gentiles. God has appointed me as the apostle to the Gentiles. I lay great stress on this, for I want to find a way to make the Jews want what you Gentiles have, and in that way I might save some of them. For since the Jews' rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world, how much more wonderful their acceptance will be! It will be life for those who were dead. And since Abraham and the other patriarchs were holy, their children will also be holy. For if the roots of the tree are holy, the branches will be too. But some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the Jews, have been broken off. And you Gentiles who were branches from a wild olive tree, were grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in God's rich nourishment of his special olive tree. But you must be careful not to brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. Remember, you are just a branch, not the root. Well, you may say, those branches were broken off to make room for me. Yes, but remember those branches, the Jews, were broken off because they didn't believe God, and you were there because you do believe. Don't think highly of yourself, but fear what could happen. For if God did not spare the branches He put there in the first place, He won't spare you either. Notice how God is both kind and severe. He is severe to those who disobeyed, but kind to you as you continue to trust in His kindness. But if you stop trusting, you also will be cut off. And if the Jews turn from their unbelief, God will graft them back into the tree again. He has the power to do it. For if God was willing to take you who were by nature branches from a wild olive tree and graft you into His own good tree, a very unusual thing to do, he will be far more eager to graft the Jews back into the tree where they belong. I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud and start bragging. Some of the Jews have hard hearts, but this will last only until the complete number of Gentiles comes to Christ. And so all Israel will be saved. Do you remember what the prophets said about this? A deliverer will come from Jerusalem and he will turn Israel from all ungodliness. And then I will keep my covenant with them, and take away their sins. Many of the Jews are now enemies of the good news, but this has been to your benefit, for God has given His gifts to you Gentiles. Yet the Jews are still His chosen people because of His promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For God's gifts and His call can never be withdrawn." Once you Gentiles were rebels against God, but when the Jews refused His mercy, God was merciful to you instead. And now, in the same way, the Jews are the rebels, and God's mercy has come to you. But some day they too will share in God's mercy, for God has imprisoned all people in their own disobedience so He could have mercy on everyone. Oh, what a wonderful God we have! How great! are His riches and wisdom and knowledge, how impossible it is for us to understand His decisions and His methods. For who can know what the Lord is thinking?
Who knows enough to be his counselor? And who could ever give him so much that he would have to pay it back? For everything comes from him, everything exists by his power, and is intended for his glory. To him be glory forevermore. Amen. Dead orthodoxy means that you have the cardinal doctrines, but you're dead. Now, how does that happen? How can you have all these cardinal doctrines but be dead? You see, when it comes to the cardinal doctrines, and what are the cardinal doctrines? The authority of the Bible. The Bible is true. The sovereignty of God, that God is personal and he's infinite and he's holy, and he demands a righteous behavior on our part, and his law shows us that we fall short of that. Jesus Christ, who's uh, not just uh, some a low angel, but rather is the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity himself, who came to earth, became a real human being, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, so that by his death he pays for our sins, and by his perfect life there's a righteous record ready for us. The Holy Spirit, who is a person, the third person of the Trinity, the Father plans, the Son executes, and the Holy Spirit applies the work. And his job is to come on in and radically regenerate and recreate us as we should have been if we'd never sinned or fallen away from God. And then you have faith itself, which is a very important doctrine, and that is that a person can receive from the Spirit and from the Father and from the Son all these great provisions. We can have Jesus Christ as our Savior, and we can be completely pardoned and completely treated as righteous in his sight, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and not in our own works and not in our own performance, see? that's what we call being regenerated or born again through faith in Jesus Christ alone. What are those things? Now, a lot of you have heard that called the gospel. Well, it is the gospel. What it really is is the cardinal doctrines that, you know, as, as much fighting as all those different denominations have done over the years, they have not managed to disagree about those things. All the Protestant denominations in the beginning began with a commitment to the fundamental cardinal doctrines that I just enumerated. Every Protestant denomination, all right? You hear that? Dead orthodoxy really has to do with people who though they believe the gospel, the cardinal doctrines I just mentioned, and they, they have given their lives to Christ in a fairly general way, and I, I, let's just say these are real Christians from what I can tell, and yet, they have not got any real grasp on how they can live the gospel. Now, I put a little quote here that I've probably mentioned before in the past. My church's professor, Dr. Richard Lovelace, says, Much that we have interpreted as a defect of sanctification in church people is really an outgrowth of their loss of bearing with respect to justification. I'll explain this. Christians who are no longer sure that God loves and accepts them in Christ apart from their present spiritual achievements are subconsciously, radically insecure people. Now listen, big words. Justification means that the day that you believe and make Jesus Christ your Savior, you are made just, you are made righteous, you are legally treated as a perfect person. That means your sins are pardoned, they're blotted out, you're no longer liable to them. Sanctification is the gradual growth in obedience that you give to God as you seek to live like Him. You, you try to obey Him, you try to love Him, you try to love your neighbor as yourself, you try to be a better person. What Dr. Lovelace is saying, dead orthodoxy results when you base 
your sanctification on your justification or your justification on your sanctification. It's the latter. It's, it's, this is multiple choice. Letter B. Dead orthodoxy results, I mean, this is one of the main things I've learned in the last 15 years, in a nutshell, all right? For what it's worth to you, it, it's, it's changed everything for me. Dead orthodoxy results when I basically, psychologically, day-to-day, -day, base my justification on my sanctification. Vitality, power, freedom comes when I base my sanctification on my justification. Not my justification on my sanctification. What I mean is, just what he says. When you believe you're just, when you believe you're acceptable, when you believe God hears your prayers, when you believe God loves you and accepts you because of your sanctification, because of your present spiritual achievements, because I'm trying and I'm doing a good job and I'm, and I'm coming to church, when that is the basis for your standing with God, you are a radically insecure person. You may, you may look moral, you may look religious, you may come to church, but you do not have that assurance of God's love because you never can be good enough. You are very sensitive to criticism, and therefore dead Orthodox churches are full of people, radically insecure, and they're full of gossip, and they're full of backbiting, and they're full of fighting. People who cannot be told that they're wrong. Because if they're wrong, or they failed, or they sinned, that, that brings into question their whole standing with God. You, are, you see this? And therefore, Christians who are basing their justification on their sanctification are what we call dead orthodox people. And here's this, something else very, very important. Every time there's ever been an awakening, every time there's ever been a revival, somebody, maybe the preacher, maybe some lay people, but the doctrine of justification by faith alone has dawned on them in a new way and they say, oh my word, all of my life I'd heard that I was saved by faith alone, but I never really believed it. Always, even though I, I intellectually said I believe I'm saved by grace, basically underneath everything else, I, I acted as if, and I worked as if, and I operated as if psychologically, I was really saved by my good deeds and my spiritual achievements. Dead orthodoxy will kill you spiritually. Psalm 22, verses 1 through 18. Will the choir director a psalm of David to be sung to the tune, Doe of the Dawn. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why do you remain so distant? Why do you ignore my cries for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night you hear my voice, but I find no relief. Yet you are holy. The praises of Israel surround your throne. Our ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them. You heard their cries for help and saved them. They put their trust in you and were never disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads, saying, is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. Two. <clears throat> if the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. Yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb.
and led me to trust you when I was a nursing infant. I was thrust upon you at my birth. You have been my God from the moment I was born. Do not stay so far from me, for trouble is near, and no one else can help me. My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in. Like roaring lions attacking their prey, they come at me with open mouths. My life is poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, melting within me. My strength is dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count every bone in my body. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my clothes among themselves and throw dice for my garments. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7. The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children after them.